Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. I'm going to jump into the Word this morning. Um, I'm excited to be with you, and I have a word that's centered on this word, trust. And the title of my message today is, He Wants You to Trust Him. He wants you to trust him. Wherever you are, whatever you're facing, God wants you to trust him in this season. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 says, When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. You know, sometimes life is deep waters. Sometimes it's raging rivers of difficulty. Sometimes it's fires of oppression that try to consume you. If you've lived anything longer than, you know, 20 years in this life, 15, 20 years in this life, you start to recognize that there are deep waters. For some of you, it happened when you were teenagers. For some of you, it happened in your 20s or your your 30s, maybe your 40s. Uh, But you go through deep waters, you face raging rivers of difficulty, you face fires of oppression. If you're a leader in any form or fashion, if you lead a a team or a company or a business, you face the oppression. You know what it's like to have the faction of people underneath you that are working against you, that are working around you, that are trying to undermine your reputation. You know this as a leader. You know this as a manager. You know this as a business owner. There's oppression that comes just by standing your ground as a leader. And we're no stranger to that. All of us experience the difficulty of deep waters, where it's scary, where it seems frightening. And here, uh, the words that are used are very clear. It's not if you go through deep waters, it's when you go through deep waters. When you go through rivers of difficulty, not if you go, but when you go through rivers of difficulty. It says, when you walk through fires of oppression. What is that telling us? It's telling us that there are trials, there are tribulations, there are difficulties, there are challenges that we face, and that none of us are exempt from those. Jesus himself told us that we will face trials, that we will encounter temptations, difficulties, challenges. In this life, we will not escape that, but that we were to take heart in him and because he had overcome the world. It's his strength that we draw from. That's how we move through the deep waters. That's how we move through the rivers of difficulty. That's how we navigate the fiery oppression that comes against us. Friends, I'm telling you, there's some things Netflix can't do for you. (laughs) There's some things that just a nice meal can't do for you. Yeah, some of those practical things have their place in our life. But when real deep water, real rivers of difficulty, real fiery oppression comes against you, there is something... God has to teach you, something God wants to teach you. Now, he says, when you go through these deep waters, not if, he says when, showing us that there will be times like this. But he doesn't say we won't choke on some water. He doesn't say he may, he won't use God. I mean, he won't use people to help draw you from the deep waters. 
Sometimes there's a little choking on the water, a little inhalation of the smoke from the fiery oppression. Sometimes there's getting banged up on the rocks from the raging river of difficulty that you've been on. But nevertheless, God is with us. And the deep is where, if you think about it, the deep water is where everyone learns how to swim. If you took swimming lessons like I did, it sure felt safe holding on to the edge of the pool. And the swimming lessons, they would tell you, okay, now push out and kick your legs, and you would kick your legs, and you thought, oh, I've got this. This is easy. Then they would say, let go with one hand, and you let go with one hand, and one hand would sit there, and you could kick it. But then they said, let go of that second hand, and when you let go of that other hand that was holding on to the wall, you began to feel the reality of the deep water that you were in. And oftentimes, we're holding on to things in life that we think are so strong, they're sustaining us, they're keeping us floating, they're keeping us going, and God's saying, okay, stick your legs out a little bit into the deep water. And he says, okay, let go a little bit of the wall, and then now let the other hand go. And when we begin to sink a little bit in life, In our spirit, we start to recognize the reality that we need God more than we did when we were holding on to our job or holding on to our paycheck or holding on to our security or holding on to who we thought would be voted into office or holding on to what we thought would always be there or how things would be in 2020. We start to recognize that we're in deeper water than we actually recognized. That wall was a safe, secure place to hold on to To give us the confidence. And often, if you think about it, the deep water is where we we give warnings to others about. It's often the place we want to avoid, but it's the place we tell others to avoid as well. Oh, don't go out there too deep. Come on, when you go to the beach, don't go out into the deep. When you're at the pool, be careful of the deep. Stay in the shallow. The problem with that is that we often start to take that same mindset, that same philosophy of life, and apply that to different places in our life when it comes to our faith and when it comes to walking with God, when it comes to walking with Jesus. We'll say, don't, don't go out too deep. Stay in the shallow. Often people stay in the shallow in their relationship with God. The trust that they have has not been developed in deep waters. It's only been in shallow waters. And we take that same mindset and start applying it to, to life. You know, don't leave that job. That job, that's, that's a really good job. If you step out of that, don't switch careers. Things are crazy right now. Look at the economy. Look at the stock market. Look, as long as I've been hearing, <laughs> been an adult and, and able to recognize the reality of life and anything that can happen anytime, there's always been a warning. There's always been a warning about war, about the economy, about the stock market, about the job industry, about housing. Someone's always sitting with a megaphone telling you how bad something is and how bad something could be. And we have to decide, as the people of God, if we are going to listen to the loud megaphone of fear or if we're going to trust God where he's leading us. See, there are some things that God can only teach you in deep water, some things he can't teach you in the shallow, some things that are too important for your life and for your future and for your faith to be developed, for you to be the disciple that God has called you to be, it takes more than just the shallow end. It takes the deep. It takes pushing off the wall and trusting God in seasons where all you have underneath you is the trust that he's there, the trust that he's with you. 
And if you think about it, the kingdom of God, the call of Jesus on your life, it was never a shallow call. Jesus didn't call you into a shallow life. He didn't call you into a shallow faith. He didn't call you into a shallow existence. He didn't call you into a shallow purpose. He didn't call you into a shallow destiny. He knows that your life affects generations. People now and people coming after you. He knows that your life laterally affects people. He knows that it affects people who you work with and who you live next to and who you're going to reach and who you're going to cross paths with. You know, this is the thing I love about church. Answering the call of God and saying yes to God ended up with me pastoring a church. Never something that you could have told me that in August of 1996, when I said yes to Jesus, yes, before some of you were born, and yes, when some of you were already 40, God knew what was ahead. I didn't. And because I said yes to him, that enabled others to cross paths. Some people are friends. Some people have started business together. Some people have gotten married. Some people have had children. I I trace some of these things back to my yes in trusting God. Now, that's not to say, oh, well, pat me on the back. No, because someone said yes to God that enabled me to cross paths with others, and to come to that moment as well. This is why I'm saying trusting God is like a domino effect. When you see that you're trusting God, you may not see all these dominoes falling in front of you, but in time, you recognize there's something greater at work when I say yes to trusting God. There's something greater happening in my family, happening in my marriage. When you decide to take a relationship, When a husband and wife say yes to God and form a covenant, and they say, we're not just going to to play house, we're not just going to live together, we're not just going to enjoy the fringe benefits of a sexual relationship and an emotional connection, we're going to honor God with our our life, we're going to honor God with a covenant, we're going to seek God's blessing, which means we have to seek how God views life and relationships and family and marriage. We have to view things to receive things the way God has ordained them. And in doing so, it propels us into the blessing of God. You know, there's always an opportunity to take where you're at in your life or your relationship right now with someone and switch that and just turn towards God and trust him. I can't tell you how many people have testimonies of, of, of that in our church where they simply were living life their own way, according to what they thought, according to how they were brought up, according to what culture says is right, according to what they think is right, according to what they've never even thought of before. They just came into an understanding through the Bible and through teaching, through understanding, wait, there's a way God designed me to live by faith and trust in him, and I I want to put myself in that position. And when we do that, we can see the blessing of God in our life. We can see it in our relationship. More often than not, we want to stay in the shallow. But the greatest blessings God has for your life won't be found in the shallow. They'll be found in the deep. In the deep waters of life where you have to trust God with everything that's in you. Look, one of the things that I think I've learned the most following Jesus in life is, is this, that there are sometimes you will hit crossroads where things look crazy to others, but it's as clear as day to you. I remember one of the first times had to be when I, 
I heard the Holy Spirit, one of the first times as a believer, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me that I needed to give somebody $50 cash. I had $50 in my pocket. And I remember I was walking into a Starbucks coffee, and I saw somebody at the store next to me walking into that store, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you need to give them $50. And I remember freaking out because God was speaking so clearly. And it was almost like I went in to try and order my drink and couldn't. Came back out of the store, sat there, paced about 10 times outside the store, and I went inside, gave the $50 to a person, almost like tried to like throw it at them and run the other direction. I said, I feel like God told me to give you this. And this person's eyes just got so wide. I don't know if they were wide because they were thinking, you know, this is the answer to my prayer that I needed, or if they were thinking, you're a weirdo, who are you? Get away from me. Either way, I handed it to them and hightailed it the other direction. And look, I look at that story now, and I think, for me, that's silly now. Because it was clear. I hadn't learned how to trust the voice of God yet and step into bold decisions of sacrifice to give. Uh, I was still learning how to trust God with, with tithing and trust God with giving and loving and serving in sacrificial ways, which, which exemplifies our Christianity. But in doing that, I know this. That was the first test for God to be able to say, can I trust you with more resources? Because now as a church, you know, we're giving tens of thousands of dollars away all the time, you know, especially during COVID. Thank you to those who've been donating to the COVID-19 fund. We've helped so many people uh, because of that. And we can give tens of thousands of dollars away all the time because I started with 50. Because Janelle and I started with what we had because we as a church started with what God had placed in our hand. You know, one of the first people we ever helped in Grace Avenue history, this is before we had even planted the church. We were still in a living room praying. One of the first people we ever helped, we had to trust God to give financially into someone. We didn't even have a building or a place to meet. We didn't have a staff. We didn't have, we didn't have anything. We didn't have equipment. We didn't have microphones. We just, we, people were giving a small amount, and we took that small amount. One of the first people we ever helped was someone who has, had been rescued from the sex trafficking industry. And I remember my wife, Janelle, uh, going with, with her and connecting with her to help see her court case resolved. And she was messed up, had some medical issues. She needed some leg braces. I don't know what the situation was, but she needed some leg braces for a condition that she had. I mean, I look back at this, that story and think, you know, that person doesn't have a name in our history. They were just someone God entrusted that we would be trusted to help that individual. And she got out of the sex trafficking industry. She got a job. Uh, the next year, she got married. She got her life together. And look, when you trust God with the little that you have, what you have in your hand, the seed, it enables something for other people, and you don't know where that's going to go. We can't base our trust in God based on what people won't do with what we've given them. I've learned that forever. I can give 10 people something and they all flounder and fail. You can invest in people, help people, baptize people, raise people up, and they can blow their life like that. But then there's that one that produces 30, 60, 100 fold. You don't know what trusting God and helping and sowing into someone can do. And you are that one because somebody invested into you. But at that time, giving $50 away, 
I would say I was pretty fearful. Fearful of what they would think. Fearful of, for me, that was a lot of money. I don't even think I was working at that time. <laughs> I have $50, it's a lot of money, you know? Now, I'm not fearful. Now, when we give, I'm excited. I get excited to help other people, other pastors, other churches, other individuals, not just people in our church, people locally, people globally. This comes from trust. And all of us, if we're Christians, should desire to help other people. That should be growing in us. Not the desire to hoard, but to make room in our life to be a blessing to other people. But what stops that is fear. What stops us from trusting God that he's called us to this earth for such a time as this to use us mightily is fear. Often the opposite of trust. But the Bible is filled with commands that we're not to fear. The Bible repeatedly teaches us to not fear, but to trust God. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Isn't that what we're doing? A lot of times when we're facing situations where we're fearful, we're looking at what we don't understand and we're now leaning on what we don't understand. It starts with looking at it and then we start to trust in it and we can't understand it because we don't want to understand pain. We don't want to understand suffering. We don't want to understand raging rivers of difficulty, fiery darts of oppression. We don't want to look at deeper waters, and learn how to swim in those things. We want God to just always be our rescuer. But sometimes God doesn't want to just be your rescuer. He wants to be your strength. He wants to be your pillar. He wants to be your foundation. So he'll take you into deeper waters. We were not created to live with an overwhelming sense of anxiety and fear. God did not design us to live like that. I'm going to step on some toes right now, but God did not design you to be watching Fox News or CNN hours and hours a day. He did not design you to do that. We're, our human minds were not even designed to process the amount of information that comes from one news broadcast, much less hours and hours and hours. I'll even go and say this to even step on a few more toes, I believe you might be wrestling with idolatry in this season. Oops. You might want to click off and tune to another sermon, but I think that one of the biggest challenges that we're facing as a nation is that we trust so much in our political system and so little in God. I see it, how do we know that? Through the fear. The fear. Christianity has survived thousands of years of oppression. The church always rises. No matter how much you push the church down, it can never be squashed. It can never be killed. Nobody's taken my rights away. God has given me right to his kingdom. I want to encourage you today. Be careful of the voices that you are listening to that are telling you everything is going to hell. No, this world has been loved by God. So much so that he sent his only son to deliver the world. Our message is found in Jesus. And it's our preaching of his life and his light that we're not to hide. Come on. He said, don't hide your light under a basket, under a bushel. We don't hide what we have. We let the world see that as we integrate into life, we see God's light can shine. Why? Because we're trusting him, 
many times while others are fearful. Why? Because their trust is in this world. Their trust is in a political figure. Their trust is in the economy. Their trust is in their job. Their trust is in their home. Their trust is in anything that they can hold on to. I think C.S. Lewis put it like this, you know, never put your trust in something that ultimately you can lose. That's a paraphrase of it. But don't place your total ultimate trust in something that you can lose. See, you can never lose the love of God. You can never lose the promises of God. You can't lose the things that he has given to you, the things he's promised to you, the things he's destined for your life. But you can focus all of your attention on the season here and now. Here's the thing about seasons. No matter how bad they are, seasons come and go. Things get bad, they could get worse. Things get bad, they could get better. But seasons come and go. No season lasts forever. Things change. Times change. Seasons change. In Luke chapter 5, Peter is in a place where he has to learn how to trust at a greater level. And Jesus wants to teach him something that brings him back to this place where he has to acknowledge the reality of where he's at and what he believes but still look Jesus in the face and say, I trust you. It's Luke chapter 5. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water. He's telling him to launch his boat back out. Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon Peter answered, Master, we, we worked hard all night. I haven't caught anything. Sounds like me when I go fishing. I never catch anything. Shout out to the boys who take me fishing, the few times they've taken me. And I never catch anything. We worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, God, come on, that is the difference right there between what Peter is about to experience and where he could have stayed. But because you say so, God, but because you say this about my life, but because you say this about my future, but because you say this about my marriage, but because you say this, Because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. They had to call people to help them with the thing that they doubted with God with in the first place. He didn't believe God could do it, yet when he believed and trusted God. Why? Not because he felt like it, but because Jesus said so. Then guess what? Other partners came in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both, both boats so full they began to sink. I'm telling you, that message speaks to me. Because there are people in my life now, only that came to help me with the fish that I'm catching. <laughs> Only because I said so to Jesus. I don't see how this is going to happen, but because you say so. I don't know how you're going to do it, but because you say so. Year after year as a church, we take another step of faith somehow, some way, financially, through another space, you know, launching a campus, you name it, hiring someone. There are steps of faith. And every single time we're looking at our budget, the numbers, the reality, what's going on in the world, and we're saying, how are we going to do this? How? We feel God leading us. As, a, as an executive and pastoral team, we feel clear about this. We've talked to wise counsel about this. We've talked to, to great leaders in the faith about this. Because you say so, God, we will take that step of faith. We will trust you. 
And the same way that others were sent and came to help Peter help take care of the load is the same way God has shaped Grace Avenue. He always sends people for the next season. He's always done that in our life. Always done it in the life of our church. Always done that for Janelle and I. Always done that for our team and our team members. See, I believe that when you're obedient to God and you say yes to God, he's already got somebody prepared on the shore to come help you with the load that you're going to catch. It takes time. When my wife and baby were in the hospital, there were literally people who were working full-time jobs and going to school and doing their lives, and yet they were working 24-hour uh, rotation. They, not, they weren't working 24 hours, but I, I had five different nurses and different people, three or four different people, that just gave up this time in their life for every 24-hour cycle. Many of them were cycling in and out every day to be by my wife's side, to be by my child's side, to be there for me. I was so tired one, one day when we first, uh, when we were going through that, I collapsed on the lawn. I was so tired. I didn't even remember it. Somebody told me I was that tired. I was that messed up. You know, there were people there helping me, giving me food. I, I was hardly sleeping. I was exhausted. I'm telling you, I didn't ask them to do that. They showed up when you are going to pull in. And at that time, it was the hall of a miracle of God over my family. God sent people. And in this season... Fox News and CNN do not have the final say over your future or the future of this country. God does. And God is speaking to you clearly this morning about who you're to trust in. And it's not a human. It's Jesus, the King of Kings. I want to ask you this morning, where is your trust lying? Where have you put your ultimate trust? Show me where the fear is and I'll show you where you need to trust. Show me where the deep waters are. Show me where the smoke is so we can see where the fire's coming at you. I'm telling you, God is shifting something in your life this morning. He's calling you to trust him in the deeper waters. But you're going to have to let go of the shore. You're going to have to let go of that wall and trust him. Look, going back to verse 4 here in in Luke chapter 5. Back to verse 4. It says, when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let the nets down for the catch. Look, Jesus could have proved himself in the shallow waters. But he chose to change Peter's life in the deep. I mean, he's Jesus. He could just do the miracle. He could just say, oh, you need fish? Boom, done. There you go. There's your fish. Now go home. No, he wanted to teach Peter through the act of obedience, something that he couldn't show him in the shallow, something that he couldn't learn. But I've worked all night. I've done this before. I've been grinding it out. I've been working hard. But because you say so, I'll do it again. That's the only reason he saw Jesus do the miracle. Because he said yes to Jesus once again. I can't tell you how many times in life I've had to look at the wall and things are so difficult and for, for me, for life, for church, people, situations, stuff in life. And just said, because you say so. Because you say so. I will do it. I will trust you. Every great revelation of God that comes into your life is going to come through trust. It's not going to come through fear. You have to kill the campfire where you're roasting marshmallows in that fearful place. And you have to douse that thing with water and start a campfire full of trust. And it may require you saying, because you say so. I will fix my eyes on Jesus because I can't see how this is going to change. I can't see how it's going to work. But because you say so, God, I will trust you. 
Number two, in verse five, he says, Master, we worked all night. haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down my nets. Look, Peter's initial response was to argue with Jesus. <laughs> kind of like I wanted to argue with him about that $50. But Jesus is intending to bless Peter through obedience. He's intending to bless Peter through obedience. See, now if somebody comes up to me and says, hey, God told me to give you $50, I'm kind of like, thank you. Are you sure he didn't say $500? Okay, just check it. $50 it is. Because I've learned that sometimes we're just given a portion of what God has asked us to give. I looked at that $50 and could have said, maybe God's just telling me to take a zero off of that bill, and it's just a five. Five is generous. That could buy a man's coffee. No. God was asking me to give 50. Sometimes God is asking you to give something, and he's not asking you to negotiate. He's asking you to trust him with obedience. Sometimes your initial response to Jesus is to, to argue with him. Are you looking for God to bless you? Peter was blessed. Are you looking for God to bless you? It'll come through obedience. Blessing doesn't come by hanging on to the wall in the pool and just kicking your legs out in one arm and saying, look, I can swim. Actually, you're, you're not yet swimming. You're learning how to swim. You're learning the motions of swimming, but you haven't let go yet. You got to let go of what you trust in who you trust in, what this season has been tempting you to trust in. And you got to get beyond the small box that you've placed God in in this season and see the vastness, how grand he is, how huge he is in the middle of the season where you haven't been able to see the fish come into your boat. Number three, in the same verse, verse five, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Peter was hesitant, but ultimately he put his trust in Jesus. He was hesitant. There's a hesitancy because of fear to not trust God, to not put your faith in God, to not give your marriage to God, to not give your relationship to God, to not give your resources to God, to not give your gifts to God. There's temptation. There's a hesitancy because you're thinking about what you're losing instead of thinking about what heaven is gaining. God will continually stretch the boundaries of what you think that box is he's in and show you that he was never in a box. He created the box. You can't put God in a box. It's okay to be hesitant. That's called your humanity. That's called reality. Jesus himself said, if there is any way this cup could pass from me, this suffering, this season, if there's a way, but nevertheless, Lord, your will be done. Friends, there's a hesitancy in pain, in difficulty, in suffering, in frustration, in oppression, in accusation. But God is calling you into deeper waters. And he's calling you to trust him. Is it time to step out? 
and trust him. Last verse. I'd love for you, if you can, if your kids aren't driving you too crazy right now, if you could close your eyes while I read this verse to you. If you could close your eyes. I know it's kind of tough with kiddos or whatever. But if you're in a place where you can listen to this, I want to read this over your life and I want to, I want to bless you with it and I want you to, to receive it by the Spirit of God into your own life. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, who've made the Lord their hope and their confidence. The Lord, your hope. The Lord, your confidence. We can take the greatest dreams and the greatest plans and the greatest things we have going for us in a season and plant them in the wrong foundation. And we can miss out because of fear. Because God had asked us to plant them somewhere else. We have to put them in the right soil. This morning, I'm praying for an area of your life where God is calling you to trust Him. A greater, deeper, more personal level. level. And think about that it may be the place where you've trusted Him before. It may be the place where you've already worked hard. It may be the place where you haven't caught fish. It may be the place where you're looking at Jesus and saying, because you say so. I don't get it, but you get it, Lord. And because you say so. Friends, the miracles that happen in our lives. I can testify to this. The miracles that happen, the open doors that happen come because you trust. And after a while, you stop saying, I just don't understand how that happened. How could, because you just don't know how God does what he does. You just then learn to trust his character and his nature at a greater level. He's a good father he's a good God and no amount of cynicism no amount of oppression should be able to shake that from the reality that we have as Jesus Christ our hope Jesus Christ our Lord our Savior the King of Kings I want to pray for you this morning that the Lord would be restored to you as your hope and your confidence not that you would just trust him for your salvation although that's where everything begins but that you do would do more than just trust him as a form of belief in his sovereignty and that he saved you but trust him with the natural things in your hands right now that the net that's in your hand that you have to throw over in faith and say God I trust you Come on, the Lord doesn't just want to restore your hope. He wants to solidify it. Make you strong. Make you confident in Him. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord Jesus, would you, by your holy, sovereign hand, be the very trust that we hold on to in this season? In spite of what we feel, in spite of what we see, 
in spite of the voices that are shouting from megaphones about doom and gloom, be it spiritual leaders, be it political leaders, be it our neighbors, be it whoever, God, would we hear your voice above every fearful voice? Would we find confidence and trust and strength in you? Lord, would you work miracles on our behalf? Lord God, would you take the suffering, the oppression, the deep waters, the raging rivers, the fiery oppression, the difficulty, the temptations, the traumas, the challenges, the things we don't understand yet, God, and would you take those things and use them for your glory and use them for your good? Would you help us to see that because you say so, our expectation can rise, our hope can rise, our confidence and trust in you can rise. Lord, I pray this morning for anyone listening who's far from God, a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter, one running from you, a sheep that has strayed from the path, from the pasture, left the good shepherd and needs to know the goodness of God. Lord, I thank you that you saved me. You took me at my worst and you gave me your best. Lord, I pray the same right now for those who know in this moment, in this instance, that they need you, that their hope has been in someone or something else other than you. God, I thank you that right now, by your grace, you are saving them, that through their faith in you, through their ability to say, I love you, God, I trust you with my life, I ask for your forgiveness. By placing their trust in you, God, you will save them with eternal life. Place their feet on solid ground. Fill them with your spirit. Make them new. If that's you this morning, friend, I don't know if you're watching, listening, but God is asking you to trust him this morning. And his word to you is that he loves you. And there is forgiveness for anyone. I repeat this, anyone. One more time anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. God wants to save you this morning, friend, by his grace. If you've not made that decision, it's a decision to come into God's kingdom, God's family. It's a big family across the globe, spans for eternity, and the short season of life that we live is marked by his eternal grasp and if that's you this morning then just simply just wherever you are in the comments maybe just type these words for me just say I was saved today I was saved today if you can't do that please reach out by through our website and let us know you made a decision to follow Jesus today because this decision matters most more than anything trusting God trusting God with you your life that he's given you. And for those of you this morning, church fam, who are facing things that are confusing, overwhelming at times, I'm praying for God's renewed strength for you. I'm telling you, you are made for this season. God did not make a mistake when he put you where he put you. Teachers especially, God has your back. I have your back, but God has your back. And you're going to thrive in this season. And I believe for some of you, you're going to prophesy out of this season the truth of who God is based on some of the things you've seen God do in you. 
Come on, God has taken you out of the shallow waters. He's placed us in the deep. But he's with us. One more time, I pray blessing and strength over anyone today needing to trust God, needing to let go of the wall, get out of the shallow, into the deep. Lord, thank you for their life. Thank you that even though there's hesitancy, even though there's fear, God, the anxiety and the fear would disappear as they place their trust in you right now. Holy Spirit, work in people's lives right now. No matter what they see, no matter what people are saying, strengthen them by your mighty hand. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Church fam, I want to thank you so much for being the blessing that you are to Janelle and I as we were called by God to lead this church over 10 years ago and have done so. And what this COVID-19 crisis has showed us is that when the devil throws anything and everything at you in 10 years, from recessions to attacks to betrayals to wounds to personal hurts to pandemics, God's family will stand. And I thank you for standing with us Maybe some of you are asking, when are we going to meet again? There's a variety of reasons why we haven't. Too many to go into now, but I will say this. I believe we will be meeting sooner than later. And we are having discussions to strategize on how we can do that. So please, maybe you're at home wondering, you know, are we going back? Other churches are going back. Well, other churches are, are experiencing a lot of difficulty as a result of going back in more ways than I can get into here. It's, it's not as easy as people think. And the reality is, um, it has nothing to do with whether or not we think someone's trying to stop the church from meeting. I'm not afraid of that. If I had to go to jail to go to jail, I would go to jail if they said you can't meet. Don't worry about that. Trust me. Y'all better start a GoFundMe and take care of my kids. But I'm not going to be told by anyone to fulfill the plan of God in my life. And neither should you. But trust me, we're working towards a strategy where we can regather and integrate through discussion. We're watching things just like you. But in the meantime, I want to remind you, ministry has not been hindered. It's grown. Giving has increased. More people are being reached than ever. And God has used the strong platform that we have to actually broaden us. We now have a broadcast ministry that we don't plan to take away. This is now a new ministry and a new part of our church. So that's the beautiful thing, that because you gave, because you gave and because you give, we're able to expand and do things that we couldn't have done. We just didn't know were coming. God knew. So friends, church family, I love you. Thank you so much. Again, I'm praying for you. If you need anything this week, please reach out by website. Reach out to one of your leaders. We're trusting God to do great and mighty things in this season. In spite of what we see, we trust him because he says so. I love you, church fam. We will see you soon. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.